When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This is the Dan Grosser Show on 98.7 ESPN. Always, Julian Kusnick, Chantel Rankin, they're producing the program tonight. Two hours, so we get a little bit of the show shaved off tonight. Just two hours, but that's plenty of time for you and me. Then we'll send you right out to L.A. for game number two of the NLDS between the Diamondbacks and the L.A. Dodgers. And boy, if that was not the shocker of all shockers in game number one, not that the Diamondbacks beat the Dodgers, but how they beat them, 11-2, to a shellacking, as the kids like to say. Clayton Kershaw got tattooed for six runs in the first inning. Five were across the board before they even recorded an out. So Dodgers, not that their backs are up against the wall, but they will be if they don't respond tonight on their home field. They'll give the ball to the Rook, Bobby Miller, see what he can do, and we'll get you out there for the game tonight beginning at 8.30. Got the Braves and the Phillies underway right now with game number two. In that best of five, and the Phillies have a one nothing lead after beating the Braves in the opener, 3 nothing. So we'll get a little bit of the baseball out of the way here and revisit it later on in the program. But it's an overreaction Monday. It's a football Monday. And I think that the football Sunday in this town probably went the way that we expected it to, right? And that's why we're going to start with the Jets tonight because the Giants going down to Miami and losing in the manner in which they fell, I don't know if it really shocks anybody, right? I mean, the Giants were outclassed, out-talented, out-explosive played, if that's a word that I could just create, by a team that's way more talented than they are, right? And for a giant squad that was going down there banged up, you kind of expected this type of result. And thankfully, thankfully, Daniel Jones was able to walk out of there under his own power because he got absolutely destroyed by that Dolphins defense. But we'll save the Giants for a little bit here because the Giants are going nowhere fast. The Jets, on the other hand, while they still have a lot of things that they need to clean up, they provided at least a little bit of hope yesterday. Now, look, was it as convincing as maybe you would like it to be? No, it wasn't a perfect game out there in Denver, right? There are some things that leave a lot to be desired and some things that they have to clean up, like, I don't know, you enter the red zone five times and you don't score a touchdown in any of the five. I mean, that's not going to cut it against good teams. You know, you're not going to be a team like the Kansas City Chiefs going into the red zone and kicking field goals, but you do get away with beating the Denver Broncos because they got enough issues that they need to sort out. But they still won the game. Things got a little hairy there at the end, but they made the plays when necessary, and it's not just always about the offense. You know, the defense can have their say in these type of games, and their defense stood tall when they had to. Creating turnovers, scoring on defense. Right defense scored, what, nine points in that game yesterday? Nine points. So if you take the defense's nine points off the board, Jets still would have beat the Broncos, right? Because they got the touchdown, they got the safety. That still would have been 22-21 Jets. But the, the points count all the same regardless. And they got the victory. They absolutely had to win this football game. Because if you were 1-4, going back home to take on the Philadelphia Eagles, a team that's undefeated, a team that was in the Super Bowl last year, and a team that the Jets have never beaten in the history of their franchise, that would have been a tall order. And that's not something that you would have wanted to entertain going into the bye week. And we're going to have plenty to say all week long about that Jets-Eagles matchup and whatnot. But right now with two and three, you know, the way things are starting to play out, even in the rest of the conference, you feel a little bit better about your chances, right? There are some teams right now that maybe you thought were going to be world beaters four or five weeks ago that maybe don't look as formidable. You know, Buffalo yesterday, they went to London. Not only did they lose a game, they lost a couple of real good defensive players probably for the season. So who knows how formidable they are going to be moving forward. And plus, you beat that team already. You know, the Baltimore Ravens went into Pittsburgh yesterday and struggled mightily and are just one game ahead of you right now. Right? Pittsburgh is sitting in first place in the AFC North. I mean, Pittsburgh's not a great team. They're extremely beatable. Look at the AFC South. I mean, you got Jacksonville, you got Indianapolis. I mean, those teams are not indestructible. 
So it's still there for the taking. You got 12 more of these things still to play. And there were enough encouraging signs, I think, in that game yesterday that you take with you moving forward. First and foremost, Brees Hall. And, yeah, you know, you could look at whatever kind of symmetry or whatever symbolism you want to come up with that he had himself a monster game yesterday when the training wheels were off and there were no restrictions at all to his playing time at the same place where his season ended a year ago. He's a home run hitter. He's a game breaker. He's everything that this offense could use, especially given the fact that you don't have Aaron Rodgers. And he brings a different element to this team. And we've been over this a thousand times, but you know what? Let's say Brees Hall doesn't go down last year in Denver and suffer that injury. Do the Jets make the playoffs last year? Maybe. Right? We have no way of knowing definitely, but perhaps taking that guy out of the lineup for more than half a season, that'll do something to your roster. Good to have him back and good to have him at full speed. The quarterback yesterday... I think he played okay. I really and truly do. Certainly outplayed the other quarterback. Boy, what a mess that is. Think about everything that Denver gave up to get Russell Wilson over there and what they're having to pay him. But just mistakes at the worst possible times, things you wouldn't expect from a guy who's won a Super Bowl, a guy who's a veteran, a guy who's been in the league a while. But that's Denver's problem. Zach, on the other hand, you know what? He made the plays when he had to. Made some big throws on third down. I know the interception there at the end maybe could have come back and bit them, but it didn't. And it took an unbelievable play by Patrick Sertan. Could the throw have been maybe a little bit more to the outside to where maybe only Garrett Wilson would have been the one to come down with it? Maybe. But sometimes you tip your cap to the guy on the other side of the field. They're getting paid to win the game too, and Sertan's one of the better young corners in the league. So I think that Zach played good enough to win the football game, and you'll take that. Now, did he play as well as he did against Kansas City last week? No. But he won the game yesterday. And that's why sometimes, like, these style points really are not necessary. Because what would you have taken as a fan? You go out there and you play more of a complete game like you did against the Chiefs, and you walk off the field with an L, or you have the game that you had yesterday where, you know, there were some things that need to be fixed. But you won the football game, and you snapped your losing streak, and now you got a season again. And even if you come up short next week against Philadelphia going into the bye week, even if you're two and four, you know what? You got three winnable games right out of the bye week for you, and you could potentially be five and four with eight games still to play. And then you got something, and then you're playing with possibilities, and that's all you can really ask for. You know, and even on that play with the interception, and I, we were talking about this in the postgame show too. You know, hindsight being what it is, 2020. I had no problem with the play. You know, third and five from the 27-yard line. It was a three-point game at that point, right? It was 24-21 Jets. So you're in field goal range already. Third and five, a little over two minutes to go. He puts the ball in the air and it gets picked off. But you know what they said? They said, hey, go win the game. Go make a throw to ice this game. He completes that pass. They move the chains. The game is over. Then they come back and they take a knee because they didn't watch Miami play on Saturday night. Right? You burn the clock. That's all you do. I admire the aggressiveness because the alternative would have been this. Mark my words. Let's say they handed the ball off to Brees Hall or anybody and played it more conservative. They wanted to just make sure the clock ran a little bit. And let's say they're stood up at the line, and they don't get the first down. And they got to kick a field goal. And then they stretch the lead to six. Well, then you're still giving Denver the ball back with, in the neighborhood of two minutes left. And what happens if the Broncos come all the way down the field, score a touchdown, and win the game, and you lose a heartbreaker? All the calls of the postgame show would have been, why did they run the ball on that third down? Why didn't they try to win the game and end it right there? See, but you go crazy playing that game. They tried to win the game. Guy on the other side made a good play, and that's it. But then when the defense was asked to make a play, they also made one. And I understand that his brother, up until now, is the one who's gotten most of the accolades in the NFL, and rightly so. He's a real damn good player. Talking about Quinn and Williams, but Quincy's pretty damn good in his own right. 
And that's maybe one of the acquisitions that flies under the radar when you're talking about Joe Douglas and his staff. Remember, this is a guy who was drafted by the Urban Meyer regime there in Jacksonville, right? And he was there for a little over a year, got caught in a numbers game. He was a little bit raw. And they decide, ah, you know what, it's not going to work out here, and they cut him. Jets picked him up off the street, and look at what he's turned into in just a few years. The guy's playing as well as any linebacker in the NFL right now through five weeks. And that's why they made it a priority to re-sign him in the offseason. And if he continues on this path, he's the guy that's going to be in the Pro Bowl at the end of the year. He's the guy that's going to get all-pro consideration. His speed is second to none at the linebacker position. His coverage skills have improved considerably. And now they got him rushing off the edge at times, like you saw on that game-deciding play where he tracks them. Remember, Russell Wilson's supposed to be a mobile quarterback. Right? One of the best dual-threat quarterbacks in his era. Quincy Williams tracked him down yesterday like he was an old man. Stripped the ball, bounced right up to Bryce Hall. Perfectly. Right down the sideline into the end zone game-set match. And how about a guy like Bryce Hall yesterday? You know? I know athletes have a lot of pride, but sometimes staying humble is the best thing you could do because you never know when your number's going to be called. Because a lot of guys in Bryce Hall's shoes would have complained, would have bitched, would have moaned, and they would have requested a trade a long time ago from the Jets. Because Bryce Hall's story, for those that don't really know it, this is a guy that was actually a pretty good corner in, the, in, in college at Virginia. And then in 2019, he suffered a bad injury while he was at UVA. And that impacted his draft stock. So the next year in the draft in 2020, he dropped all the way to the middle of the mid-rounds. Joe Douglas took him in the 2020 draft. He wasn't ready to play right away in 2020. Came on second half of the season, got a few more reps. 2021 turns around. Remember, Salah takes over, new coaching staff. Jets weren't very good. Bryce Hall started every game at corner that year in 2021. Showed you some flashes, right? Showed you that he's got something potentially. But the defense wasn't very good at all that year. It was one of the worst in the league. So they retooled in the offseason going into 2022. And they drafted Sauce Gardner. And they signed DJ Reed. And then all of a sudden they bring in all these other corners to where Bryce Hall then drops down the depth chart a little bit because Bryce Hall was not drafted by this coaching staff. So he wasn't maybe necessarily the fit for the scheme, ideally like they'd want a corner to be. So Bryce Hall, after starting every game in 2021, plays sparingly last year. Bryce Hall plays sparingly to start this season, now basically reduced to a special teamer. Do you realize that the first four games of this year and all of 2022, Bryce Hall had a grand total of 19 snaps on defense. 19 snaps! It's a guy who started every game in 2021. So think of how difficult that must be on the person, on the player. Most guys are saying, hey, I'm young, I'm entering my prime, I'm wasting away here, trade me. Get me out of here. Not him. And then because DJ Reed was injured, couldn't go yesterday, they called Bryce Hall's, and, and Brandon Eccles was down. They called Bryce Hall's number and said, it's your game. And then he was Johnny on the spot yesterday, right place, right time, scoop and score, game set match. Those are cool stories, actually. Really and truly. Instead of guys that can maybe divide the locker room, you got guys like that who are patient, they work hard, they keep the room together, and they make plays to help you win football games. And that's what it takes over a 17-game season, right? It's not going to just be one guy, two guys. It's going to be a different hero possibly each and every week. You know, guys played well in that game yesterday that maybe don't necessarily jump out at you, but they all had an impact. You know, what about a guy like Al Woods? Al Woods was a guy who was a healthy scratch last week against Kansas City. And because Carl Lawson was a scratch yesterday, Al Woods got to take that roster spot on the defensive line. Applies pressure to Russell Wilson in that first quarter. Boom, safety. Two points. Those two points came in handy. You never know when your number's going to be called. You got to be ready to make plays. Irv Charles, up from the practice squad that game yesterday. McCall Hardman was inactive because McCall Hardman doesn't play special teams. So Irv Charles, a practice squatter at wide receiver, 
He's up. He plays special teams, and he's right there on a play where a fumble comes loose on a punt return and has a hand in that. You never know when your number is going to be called. And that helped the Jets win a football game yesterday. Now, again, there's still some things to clean up. But now you got a season. Regardless of what happens next week against Philly, it's an NFC team, it's out of conference, but you got a shot. And you hope the quarterback continues to take steps, right? Like I said, he wasn't perfect yesterday. And now he's going to be going up against a really, really good team in Philadelphia. A team that knows how to win. A team that's going to have a lot of fans in that building on Sunday. Mark my words. And apparently it's going to rain again. I mean, I don't know what, you know, the weather gods have in store for us, but why does it rain every weekend now? Did somebody explain that to me? But it does. So we'll start out here talking some Jets. We'll get to the giant disaster a little bit later on. We'll go around the league, recap what happened during a wild week five in the NFL, and a couple of baseball thoughts too. Remember, we go till 8.30 tonight. Then it's D-backs, Dodgers, game two of the NLDS. Dan Gross's show, 98.7 ESPN, coming right back. This is the Dan Grosser Show on 98.7 ESPN. Hi, it's Mike Greenberg letting you know ESPN Bet is ready to take you through all the biggest sports moments this spring. The official sportsbook of ESPN has exclusive offers and markets from Scott Van Pelt, Stephen A. Smith, and me, plus many more. From the playoff intensity to finally getting out to the ballpark, there's no better time for sports fans. Sign up today. New users get a bet reset up to $1,000 in bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win. Download ESPN Bet today. What a play. Must be 21 plus and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. See app for details. This podcast is proud to be supported by Jets Pizza, the number one pick in Detroit-style pizza. Why? It's simple. Jets is better. With the thickest, crispiest, cheesiest Detroit-style pizza in the country, there's no competition. Right now, get $5 off any eight-corner pizza with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight. S-A-V-E. Go to jetspizza.com to learn more and find a location near you. Again, try Jets' signature eight-corner pizza and get $5 off with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Jets Pizza. Better because it has to be. Now, let's talk about the play of the week. The pressure to follow up Hypnotic and Cognac, weighing heavy on the team. Hypnotic was in the cup, blue and ready for the play. And... Boom! Añejo Tequila came in with a smooth assist to Hypnotic's tropical fruit finish. Shaken, strained, poured. It was green and good! The playmaking splash shifted the tempo. Another great cocktail from the Hypnotic team. Every season is Hypnotic and Tequila season. Hypnotic Liqueur, Bardstown, Kentucky, 17% alcohol by volume. Hypnotic reminds you to think wisely, drink wisely. Again. Remember, you can tweet at me at Dan Grasa, G-R-A-C-A, only till 8.30 tonight. And then we hand things off to the MLB playoffs. Dodgers, D-backs coming up from Chavez Ravine at that time. You know, before we get to the phones, too, uh, Jets didn't come out of that game in one piece. And I'm sure most of you have heard the news that for the second straight year, and you want to talk about another cruel joke from the football gods, Elijah Vera Tucker, who's their best offensive lineman, Suffers a season-ending injury in Denver against the Broncos. Last year was a torn tricep. Yesterday, it's to an Achilles tendon injury. So much like the way of Aaron Rodgers, AVT is going to have to go under the knife and rehab that Achilles. And, you know, if, if we can rewind to about a month ago, remember when Rodgers suffered his injury, all the experts out there that swore you had to outlaw the artificial turf and get rid of the turf, that's why these injuries are happening. Well, Denver has grass and AVT popped his Achilles, right? Which... It's ridiculous that surface has anything to do with it. It happens anytime, anywhere. It's football, right? It's a violent game. It happens. But you feel bad for the player. You feel bad for the person. He He's an unbelievable dude. Um, just trading some texts with him, as a matter of fact, right before the show tonight. Just see how he's doing, checking in. Spirits up, the whole thing. And, you know, we even did a nice one-on-one chat last week that we had on our pregame show yesterday. You know, just Just a really good guy. And, you know, the fact that, you know, is so invaluable that offensive line, guard, tackle, whatever they need. Robert Sala was even saying last week that last couple of games with AVT at right tackle, he's playing pretty well out there. And that this was going to be a five that they were going to maybe move forward with, with this current alignment. And now things are going to have to change again. So it looks like Max Mitchell 
He's probably going to get first crack at it against the Eagles coming up on Sunday. And remember, Dwayne Brown is eligible to come off the IR for the Giant game in a few weeks after the bye. But then that calls into question again, what do you do? If Dwayne Brown is healthy enough to play again, does he play left tackle and Mekhi Becton get kicked over to right tackle again, which is where he began the season? A lot of things that need to be sorted out, but not having AVT for the rest of the season is just a huge, huge blow to this offense, the offensive line, and this team. It really, really stinks. So uh, hope he is on the up and up here as soon as possible. 800-919-3776. That is the Telephone number. Let's go to the phones. A lot of people want to chime in, of course. Let's say hi to Ira in Staten Island. He's first up here on 98.7 ESPN. Hello, Ira. How are you? What's going on? So, listen, they got the job done yesterday. And you, know, you want to question some of the calls, whether, you know, they should have just taken a three before the half or they went to, to end the game on the pass. I get it. You know, it's easy for us to do it after the game or on Monday. But, you know, it comes down. They won the game. There's no style point to the NFL. You take the win and you move on. As for the injury with Tucker, I'll be honest with you. You can't – you've got to move forward. I, I spoke to so many Jet fans today. We have a black cloud. No matter what we do, Rogers tears his Achilles. Now Tucker – I'm, I'm, I know there's so much you could absorb, but nobody's going to feel sorry for yourself and, and for us. And you've got to go forward, and it's the next man up. But I, if I'm Joe Douglas, and I know we're getting – kind of it's slim pickings now with the offensive line. Mm-hmm. You've got the trade deadline coming up. Yep. Uh, you, you know what? You've got to find a team like the Vikings or one of these teams that look like they're not going anywhere this year that have like about a 30-year-old lineman that's making decent salary where they want to free up that money, and you've got to pull the trigger. Because you look at the Jets' schedule, regardless of what happens with the Eagles, okay, they're in, listen, they're not going to the AFC Championship game unless something crazy happens. But there's no reason why they can't still with everything that's gone on. They can have a they can have a season because of the defense, the the defense and the running. They have to play Sanchez Rex Ryan football. That's what they have to do. And if they could do that, and if Joe Douglas could figure out a way to get some depth or get another starter in here and try to mend and keep this offensive line together for the rest of the year, I think that they could possibly pull this off. But you can't feel sorry for yourself. Yeah, Ira, look, I agree with you, and I thank you for the phone call. And, look, the trade deadline is three weeks away, three weeks from tomorrow, as a matter of fact. It's done Tuesday, which is generally the off day for teams uh, during the season. So Halloween is the trade deadline. An offensive line would be one of those positions where bringing somebody in in the middle of a season, it's not as painstaking as if you were to trade for a quarterback or, you know, one of these other, let's say, skill positions to where they're going to have to learn the playbook, get acclimated to the offense. I mean, a lineman's a lineman, right? You learn your assignments, you go in there, you block. You generally don't have to move as much as, let's say, some of these other guys do at the skill positions. But just a bad, bad blow, and we'll see. Hey, next man up. But if the Jets do need to go out there and bring in some more depth, I'm sure Joe Douglas and his staff are going to do that over the next few weeks. We'll see. Justin and Tom's River up next here, 98.7 ESPN. Hello, Justin. How are you? Good. Yeah, thank you for taking my phone call as always. You know, you brought up a lot of great points. You know, I have a lot of friends that are Jet fans, and everybody was so up in arms at the end of the game with, with Zach throwing the interception. I agree with you. I love the call. And that, for me, as a Jet fan, that just shows that the team has actually some confidence in him finally, that they trust him with the ball in his hands at the end of the game. Because we all know as Jet fans, you know, even under under uh, Nathaniel Hackett's father, Paul, he would have just ran that ball right up the middle and just would have conceded for a field goal. I, I like the aggressiveness. And the best thing that came out of that game yesterday, Brees Hall is back, man. In my opinion, he's the best running back in the NFL and the most dynamic. When he catching the ball out of the backfield and running, he is explosive. In my opinion, he's the comeback player of the year, and he's the best running back in football. And for myself, you know, as a Jet fan now, all the things we talked about besides the offensive line now having to be makeshift, as a Jet fan, you got to be happy. Yes, you know, the game, the way it went with some penalties and stuff like that. The defense is opportunistic. We're getting turnovers. And we have a running game, and Zach now is actually starting to get under his feet and actually starting to throw the ball down the field and actually have some success. So, I, as a Jet fan, I really don't have many quarrels. The only thing at the end, at, right before the half, Dan, mm-hmm. I still just can't believe that that happened. Yeah. You know, it, 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 you know, Uzama gets the ball, and he's running to the line judge to get the ball. And everybody's standing there looking around with, with no – any speed to get up there and just and spike the ball. It was just baffling, Dan. If they would have lost the game because of that, 
believe me, at the end of the season, that would have been one of the things that, you know, Woody Johnson or whatever, you know, Salah getting on the chopping block. You cannot let that happen. I'm glad that it happened in a win, so at least it's a learning experience for them, but that can never happen again. Oh, J- Justin, I agree with you, and I thank you for your phone call. And, and to be quite honest with you, I still have not really gone back and examined the intricacies of that sequence because for us, like, the, obviously it was the last play of the half, so, like, that play happens – you know, and Greg and I are sitting there like, you got to be kidding me. How, how do you let that transpire? And then, boom, we have to settle into halftime real quick and get ready to do uh, our halftime show. So I never had a chance to really go back and, and, and look into it. I haven't really talked to anybody as to, you know, what might have happened or what they might have been thinking. But you're right. You can't have that happen, especially that deep in enemy territory. And just thankfully, they didn't lose this game by three because if you lose by a field goal or something, you say, oh, see that? The three points they would have got at the end of the first half for that botch clock management sequence came back to bite them. Thankfully, it didn't. But, no, that's something that that that, that, that can happen. Absolutely can't. Not at this level. It can't. And, you know, the quarterback talked about that after the game. Zach mentioned that. As a matter of fact, I think we have that cut that we could probably share with you. This was Zach talking about the sequence at the end of the first half. I need to be better in that situation. I knew the, I knew the situation was if we throw a ball in bounds, we got to clock it. You know, I think obviously I was frustrated we didn't get back quick enough to clock it. But what's that five yards, throwing it to CJ really doing for us? We are already in field goal range, and you know, really it's to take a shot at the end zone. And I knew that, but I felt like he was so open. I was like, oh, let me give him a chance to try and run for it. But really, there was no, there's no shot for that. I mean, they're they're rallying and tackling there. I should have just sailed it over his head, and we kicked the field goal the next play. And we need to be better right there. I mean. Yeah, I was frustrated we didn't get the clock off, but I could have helped us right there and just thrown it out of bounds. That sounds like exactly what was drilled into his head by the coaches as soon as he came to the sidelines and went to the locker room. It's exactly probably what they told him. And you got to learn from it. Got to be better. It can't happen again, especially against good teams where every point is going to be valuable. All right, we come back. More of the Jet stuff, of course. We'll get into the Giants situation as well. And what, what can you say? It almost looked like you were watching two teams playing in two different sports down in Miami. Dan Cross, the show, we go till 8.30 right here on 98.7 ESPN. What's there worth watching for the remaining 12 weeks, right? Dan Cross, the show, 98.7 ESPN on this overreaction Monday. And look, that game down at Hard Rock Stadium went pretty much as you would have expected it to. But once you see it actually play out and you see that on one side you got the Dolphins, who are playing like the advanced graduate level of Madden. What is it? What do they call it? The all-pro level, whatever it is? Like the highest level of Madden. That's what the Dolphins were playing on PlayStation 5. And then you had the Giants on the other side, and especially when they had the ball offensively. And the Giants were playing like the rookie level of Madden, but they were playing it on like Super Nintendo. This isn't Nintendo. This is NFL. I said Super Nintendo. Super, because they didn't have Madden for regular Nintendo, or else I would have had it. They had Tecmo Bowl. Oh, you know what? Tecmo, no, I don't want to throw any shade at Tecmo Bowl. I was going to use that as the comparison, but no, I'm not throwing shade at Tecmo Bowl, because when I was 11, 12, like, that was the greatest game of all time. So I'm not going to rain on it at all. But you could see the difference in the two squads. One squad had speed, lots of speed. The other didn't. One squad could actually protect their quarterback. The other couldn't. One squad actually was running inventive plays to get their playmakers out in space. The other had their quarterback running for his life. And you were just thankful each and every time he would get up on his own and pick himself off the turf. If I would have told you before the game, okay, if I would have said, hey, I've seen the future. I've seen about 4 o'clock on Sunday afternoon. I just came back, and here's what I got. This game between the Giants and the Dolphins, one team is going to be plus three in the turnover battle. One team is going to be plus 12 minutes in time of possession. One team is going to score a defensive touchdown in the game. Final score is going to be 31 to 16. Which team do you think would have had the 31 and which team do you think would have had the 16? Nope. (laughs) nope not quite I mean that's why stats don't tell the whole story and think about that the Dolphins did all they could 
They played as sloppy as sloppy could be at times. And they still won that game going away to where they didn't even score a point in the fourth quarter and still won it comfortably. And you never even for a second thought the Giants were in that game, even after the Jason Pinnock pick six, where they had the lead cut to four. You never thought that with a whole half to play that the Giants had any real chance of winning that game because what did the Dolphins do in the last minute and a half or whatever of the, uh, of the half? They took the ball down the field and put three points up on the board with a field goal going into the dressing room. And then a touchdown in less than a minute right out of halftime. I mean, they are a machine. They really and truly are. You wonder how they even, I mean, this looks like Dan Marino and the Marx Brothers for crying out loud. It is incredible. I mean, when you're watching Devon A-Chain running down the sidelines and running past Xavier McKinney, and not just running past him, like running past him like he's a superhero. And I even like tweeted it out. It's like the Dolphins are abusing the turbo button on your remote control when you're playing Madden. Like he just keeps picking up speed and McKinney is just like falling further and further and further behind. That's not supposed to happen. Like they're all on the same level playing in the NFL like this isn't the all-star team you know the college all-stars against the Super Bowl champs or something like that they're both playing the same level of football how has that even happened ball ass giant fans right now 12 games left where's the hope knowing that you got the Buffalo Bills in their place with that crowd in prime time on Sunday night for starters One in four is about to become one in five. I hate to say that, but those are the facts. A Buffalo team coming off of a loss, right, where they're going to be angry. They had to fly all the way to London and back after that game. There were no more pretzels left on the plane, apparently. There were no more snacks. They lost a couple of important players for a lengthy period of time on defense and Matt Milano. All right, they're angry. And they would love to take out their anger and their frustration on that Giant team, especially once they start looking at that film from the Giant or from the Dolphin game from the week before that. And they realize, boy, Giants can't block anybody. They really can't. And I'll say this, and I mean it with 1,000% sincerity. I am shocked, and I think that he almost should get a Medal of Honor, that Daniel Jones lasted five games behind that offensive line before he finally had to be taken out of the game. It's a miracle. Like, think back of everything we've seen from this giant offense and the offensive line so far this season. It's a miracle he lasted five five games. He got sacked 10 times last week. He's been sacked 28 times so far this season. 28. There's quarterbacks that don't get sacked 28 times over an entire year. That's, That's the output in five games. I mean, it's so bad. You got Josh Azudu benched in the fourth quarter yesterday at left tackle. Got benched. This is the same Josh Azudu that couldn't win a starting job all offseason at his natural position, which is guard. And they got him playing left tackle. Marcus McKeithen, the, uh, the second-year player, the right guard, he had to leave with an injury in the second quarter. They had to put a practice squad guy in at right guard. Evan Neal had his typical game. You know, he was flipping burgers or something and let a guy run completely past him, did not even put a finger on him. And that went viral, of course. And so I understand the quarterback gets paid the most money and is going to absorb the most blame, criticism, everything. I totally get the way it works. But you really have to have it out for Daniel Jones. If you're going to sit here and tell me or tell anybody worth listening that watching the Giants on a week-in, week-out basis, including yesterday, and all the issues that are hurting this offense right now, and you're going to tell me that it's the quarterback's fault? You know, Dan Orlovsky's going to go up there on TV and break down all this wonderful film, which puts me to sleep, by the way, telling me that it's Daniel Jones's fault, the quarterback's fault, that these plays aren't being made? How? How? If God forbid you're, you know, let, let, let's relate it to, to everyday life. Let's say, God forbid, there's like a fire or something like that in your building and you're like running for your life to get out of there safely. That's like trying to say, well, why didn't you take the laundry out of the dryer? 
while you were trying to save your life, while the, the building was on fire. That's like blaming the quarterback here. What is he possibly expected to do? He's got no time to do anything. And it's not like he's dealing with the all-pro wide receiver depth chart either to where these guys are going to go out there and win their one-on-one battles. Aside from Darren Waller, what other guy that Daniel Jones is throwing passes to are really going to keep an opposing defense up late at night while they're scouting the Giants? Explain that to me. So that means those guys need extra time to possibly get open to where they can make some plays, which means the offensive line then has to give him more time, which we knew that he's not getting all year. Remember what John Maris said, because this is the phrase and this is the line that was etched into my brain last night when I was diving into this game and just trying to process it. Remember at that press conference last year that John Maris stood up there and told the media, in regards to Daniel Jones, we've done everything possible to screw this kid up. Quote, Direct quote, John Mara. If that's how they felt a year ago, what do you call this? What do you call this? And I'll take it a step further, too. Why did you decide to pay him? Why did you decide to give him $40 million a year if you knew that you weren't going to invest as much in the offensive line to try to actually give him a chance to be successful? Right? I, I mean, that's almost like workplace malpractice. Why would you do that? It's like buying the most expensive carpet in the world imported from Asia for your office. It looks beautiful. But then you forget to put windows. And then every time it rains, the carpet gets ruined. That's essentially what the Giants did. You paid a quarterback $40 million and gave him nobody to protect. That does not seem like a winning formula to me. And it ultimately finally took its toll on the player. I mean, I don't know if he's going to play this week. I guess the signs Brian Dayball said today are encouraging regarding his neck and how he feels. That's great. But that's also not an injury that you screw around with. That's serious business when you're talking about a neck injury. And, oh, by the way, it's something that bothered him earlier in his career. That just doesn't go away. You don't rub some tussin on it and all of a sudden it's gone. What an absolute mess. You know, you can only use the injuries as an excuse to a certain extent. Help the guy out. Show him that you actually want him to be successful. Like, you want him to be the long-term solution. And I'm not sitting here trying to tell you that I think that he's some sort of elite quarterback, but give the guy a chance, right? Give the guy a chance to go out there and help you win games. He did it last year, right? It was good enough last year. 800-919-3776. Dan Grasso Show, 98.7 ESPN. This is the Dan Grasso Show on 98.7 ESPN. Robert Half Research indicates 9 out of 10 hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. If you have open roles, chances are you're feeling this too. That's why you need Robert Half. Our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary AI to connect businesses of all sizes with highly skilled talent in finance and accounting, technology, marketing and creative, legal and administrative and customer support. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today. 10 seconds on the clock. How many things can you name that are always growing? Your relationships, your skills, your customer base. How about businesses on Shopify? <laughs> Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash network, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash network now to grow your business. No matter what stage you're in, shopify.com slash network. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. 
Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America NA, member FDIC. A little back and forth at the press conference today, talking about the state of the offensive line. How does it improve? How does it get better? And it's got to if the Giants are going to have any chance of making something out of this 2023 season. Dan Gross' show, 98.7 ESPN, on this overreaction Monday. So, if Andrew Thomas, because it doesn't sound overly encouraging yet about his availability for next Sunday in Buffalo, and let's say Schmitz doesn't return either, you might be going into Buffalo to play an angry, all-fired-up crowd of Buffalo Bills. You might have Pert at left tackle, Glowinski at left guard, Bredesen at center, Mayfield, the practice squatter, at right guard, and our good buddy Evan Neal at right tackle. If I'm Daniel Jones, I would maybe say that, you know, my, my toe hurts and I can't play. I mean, even they almost got Tyrod Taylor knocked out of the game when he came in just to mop, for mop-up duty yesterday. I mean, it is incredible. But the Giants just aren't at that level regardless. And the Dolphins, look, the Dolphins are maybe the most explosive team in the NFL. Maybe it's not fair to make that comparison. I mean, Miami had seven plays yesterday of 20 or more yards. You know, they call those explosive plays, chunk plays, whatever, you know, with NFL stats. Seven in one game. Have the Giants even had seven of those plays all year through five games? I'm not sure about that. A couple of more of these losses, and then we're going to be talking about potentially the Giants as being sellers before the trade deadline on October the 31st. Because you've got some guys with expiring contracts, like the Leonard Williams of the world, uh, Xavier McKinney, Dory Jackson, Saquon, right? I mean, if he could ever get healthy. 800-919-3776. Michael's in Brooklyn. He's up next here on 98.7 ESPN. Michael, how are you? Hey, thanks for taking my call. What's up, Mike? You know, with the team that the Giants are throwing out there right now, you can hypothetically think, you know, maybe, I know we're very early to be talking about this, they get a high pick in the draft. I mean, do you really go quarterback like a Caleb Williams at this point? We know you have to, but you're throwing him into the same terrible situation that Daniel Jones is in now. I mean, this team needs a total rebuild. I abs- Look, if the Giants are as bad as things are trending right now, and, and look, I don't know how this thing is going to end, but right now I – I'd be hard-pressed to say the Giants win more than five games with this offensive line, the way things are, and the way things have been functioning. Yeah, it's supposed to be a really deep quarterback class, so if everybody declares that we think is going to declare and they're in it, I, I, I don't see how you don't pick a quarterback. Because remember, you're only promised for Daniel Jones one more year. So there's nothing wrong with taking a quarterback next season, let him sit and watch and learn and let Daniel Jones continue to get beat up behind whatever offensive line is going to be out there, and then when the kid is ready, then he plays. But I don't think Daniel Jones is going to be this team's starting quarterback past 2024, certainly not the way things have started this year. Yeah, listen, I I agree. But at the same time, like I said, I mean, this team, I think at this point, and especially if they're sellers, they're a good three to five years out before putting out a serviceable team out there. And, you know, you, you want to put your quarterback in the best situation to win. I understand sitting out a year uh, or maybe even two, but I, I, I mean, you don't want to make this guy lose his confidence. So right. I, I think it's a question to be asked. And you also have to wonder, you know, how they feel about certain prospects as well. And look, that the draft discussion is a long way down the road, Michael, and thanks a lot for the phone call. But look, whether it's Caleb Williams, Drake May, J.J. McCarthy, um, you know, Shador Sanders. If, if All these guys, if they come out, we're going to have to see what the Giants think of them. But is it really fair to put a rookie out there behind the same type of O-line that Daniel Jones is going out there and getting destroyed behind either? Maybe the Giants decide, depending on where they're picking, and look, we don't know where they're going to stack up when it's all said and done, but, hey, the offensive line is the glaring weakness right now. What if they go out there and say, hey, maybe if there's some stud offensive line prospect we got to get our hands on, that's who we take. It all starts up front. You don't have that foundation. You're not going to win anything anyways. That's the unfortunate part about this thing. You know, sometimes, like in life, 
people's paths don't necessarily meet up on the same time-space continuum that they're supposed to, right? And it seems like that's happening with Daniel Jones and the Giants. Because when he was taken in 2019, top 10 pick, Giants weren't any good. They weren't run very well, and they took their lumps in 19 and 20 and 21. And when there was a different GM and there was a different head coach and he had all this turnover, yet the quarterback still could not get on solid footing. Then last year, the stars aligned and everybody's timeline was on the same wavelength, right? You had the new regime, the new coach, the new GM. You know, there was a fresh air in the building a little bit and everything came together and they had a successful season. They made the playoffs. They won a playoff game. But somehow that all got distorted a little bit because now they're back to that chaotic stage again. And so if this year is going to be a wash, then 2024, who the hell knows? But if there's even some stuff that needs to be sorted out next year, it's going to come at the expense of Daniel Jones, especially if they go out there and draft his eventual successor come April. And in a way, you feel bad for the quarterback. And I'm going to go back again to channel my good buddy John Mara when he said that we've done everything possible to screw this kid up. And it's still happening. Still happening. Let's say hi to John in New Jersey, who was up next here on 98.7 ESPN. Johnny, how are you? How you doing, Danny? John, outstanding. What's going on? Oh, boy. AVT again. Back-to-back years on the same uh, football field. You stinks. can't make it up, Dan. It stinks. And I, I, I hate it. It's crazy. It's crazy because when they were talking about taking Brees off the the, uh, the pitch count, I said, you know what? <laughs> Maybe this is the week we sit him out or, or, or we dial it down a little bit. And we, we minimize his carries given what happened a year ago. And it turns out he has a phenomenal game and gets off the field healthy. And unfortunately, we lose our great offensive lineman in AVT. He was a great guy as well. And I wish him all the best in his recovery, of course. And uh, let's see him, you know, better and stronger next year. Uh, but but ye- yesterday's game, Dan, um, too conservative for my liking. And now that we fast forward to next week with Philadelphia, it's going to be a raucous crowd at MetLife. You're looking to stack wins here. You're looking to have the quarterback continue to grow, gain confidence, show you, leadership. Wait, wait, John, let better. me stop you a second, though. You really, you really thought yesterday was too conservative? I did, Dan. I did because I, I, I like the up I I like the up tempo offense to getting everybody involved uh, coming to the party like we did against Kansas City. I, I thought that was the the, the the new Jets. That's what we were going to see the rest of the season going forward, mixing it up, getting everybody involved, trick uh, some trickery, uh, you know. There, getting Gibson involved. Gibson wasn't an issue yesterday. I don't know what's going on with Hartman, but whatever the case is with him, if he's not going to be on the football field, you got to find other answers and get other people involved utilizing their speed. And Gibson brings that to the table for the Jets. But going into this game next week with the Eagles, Dan, I'm totally, you know, terrified of of McGovern at the center position. Jalen Carter's a a major problem, major problem on on the Philadelphia nose tackle side. You Mm -hmm. talked about, Games are won and lost in the trenches. I totally agree with you, both on the offensive and the defensive line. And if they can't find an answer for Jalen Carter at center going up against McGovern and handling Riddick, it's going to be and, – and, and, again, they don't, if they don't come with, with, with an innovative, creative uh, game plan here next week with an up-tempo approach to it with Zach, making quick decisions with some bubble screens, how about some crossing patterns like we saw in the Dallas game with, 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 with Garrett Wilson? We saw that it worked phenomenally well, and they haven't gone back to it the rest of the season. Why, why are we not doing that? Well, John, I'm sure that each opponent dictates a different way that they want to attack them, and that's you know a better question for the coaches as far as they're breaking this all down, and I thank you for the phone call. I See, I didn't get the impression yesterday that they were conservative. I didn't think so. I mean, guys, they ran the ball yesterday for 234 yards. If running the ball to you is conservative, but – they average over seven yards a carry. Now, you want to say, well, a lot of that came on the one run from Brees Hall. Granted, okay, take 72 yards off of the 234. Then that means they still averaged over five yards a carry in that game yesterday, minus the Brees Hall run. So if the running game is working, that's what they're going to try to utilize. It takes pressure off of the quarterback, especially 
in that thin air up in Denver, that means you're going to keep the other team's defense on the field a little bit longer. Let them suck wind a little bit. I think they played it fine because, again, when they had to be aggressive, they were aggressive. You know, they let Zach Wilson throw the ball on third down and made some big throws. There was one to Lazard. The one two plays prior to the interception at the end, how about that third and whatever it was to Tyler Conklin on that same drive where Tyler Conklin did his best Mark Bavaro impersonation and dragged about, you know, six or seven Broncos with him for about 15 yards after he caught the ball. That was awesome. As far as Philadelphia is concerned, look, it goes without saying they're good. That might be, might be the best defensive line in the NFL. It's one of the two or three best. Jets are going to have their hands full. John brought up Connor McGovern, though. How about the guy who's the next-door neighbor of Connor McGovern? Lakin Tomlinson. How about giving my guy Lakin some flowers? He's had himself a real, real good season. Real, real good season at left guard. Last year's first one with the Jets probably wasn't the way that he wanted it to go or anybody wanted it to go, but you know what? He's bounced back in a big-time way this year. He's having a good season. Anthony in Brooklyn, up next here on 98.7 ESPN. What's up, Anthony? Hey, Dad, great show. You know, when Grable first got there, all that I heard was how he was coming into a landmine with the salary cap for the next couple of years. I mean, he did phenomenal the, the first year, you know, uh, winning those close games. I mean, I, I, like you said, I, I think they're going to go up to Buffalo, they're going to lose. You know, I, I think you got to start trading people at the salary cap. You know, Bart talked about it this morning about how teams, you know, like Cincinnati, Buffalo, the Ravens would, would you know, would want uh, the running back, you know, the corner, you know, the defensive lineman. I'm sorry I can't remember their names, but start yeah. getting draft picks. Look, I, I, I don't necessarily, Anthony, disagree with you, and I thank you for the phone call, and I mentioned it a couple of minutes ago. Guys who are on expiring contracts, which means there's no guarantee that they're going to be Giants next year because they're going to be free agents. Leonard Williams, Adoree Jackson, Xavier McKinney, Saquon, all these guys. If they have value to another team around the NFL, well, you know what? Joe Shane, I'm sure his phone is going to be ringing, as it should. But we're going to have to see how the next two, three games go for this football team. You got Buffalo this week, and that's probably not going to go so well. And then you have Washington after that, at home. And then you got the Jets after that, at home. Technically a giant home game. Those are the three games they have before the deadline. So let's. what would your record need to be at that point? What if the Giants win only one of the next three games? Let's say they beat the Commanders, right? Because you're not beating Buffalo. And selfishly, I'm going to say you're not going to beat the Jets. So let's say they go one and two in the next three. So that's two and six. You're two and six at the trade deadline. And then after going into November, you're at the Raiders, at the Cowboys, at the Commanders. I think at two and six, your season's over. Considering the way that this club is made up and what they have at their disposal and how these guys have played so far, if I'm two and six, I'm getting some draft capital if I'm Joe Shane. It's got nothing to do with the salary cap. It's not about, like, freeing up money. It's about, can I get some more draft choices to be able to bring in players that I think are going to help us moving forward and be part of the solution more so than, let's say, the guys that are on this team right now? 800-919-3776. More of your calls. We'll get to around the league at the top of the hour as well. Remember, we're only going until 8.30 tonight. Then it's playoff baseball. Dodgers, D-backs. Dan Gross' show, 98.7 ESPN. Are you pa- Braves out to a 3 nothing lead. Or, excuse me, the Phillies out to a 3 nothing lead on the Bravos in the top of the fifth inning tonight. Boy, I tell you, Phil's, they got the Braves number here maybe in the month of October. Remember, knocked them out last year. And this would be something. This would be something if the Braves don't even win a round in this year postseason after all the tremendous success that they had in the regular season. I, aside from the NFL, which is a one-game postseason format, it seems like baseball, more so than hockey, basketball, produces the more of the dominant teams during the regular season that somehow come up empty in the playoffs, more so than the other sports, right? 
It happens with way more frequency, I think, in baseball, where you can have a team who you know wins over 100 games, has a great year, they're a big favorite, and they might get bounced in the first series that they play. Doesn't happen as much in the NBA or the NHL. NBA hardly ever happens, but the NHL, you know, it happens on occasion, right? Saw the Boston Bruins go down last year, which was like, that would almost be like the equivalent, a little bit of a shocker, but tell you, Philly is a team that is made for October, the way this roster is put together. They really and truly are. Let's say hi to Artie in Brooklyn. He's up next here on 98.7 ESPN. What's up, Art? How are you? Hey, Dan. Yeah, we get, you know, we got the win, but then you gave me the news about Tucker, and I'm like, how much can this team endure? Like, it's just, it's nuts, you know? And uh, yeah. I, I just can't, you know, I, I just can't. I can't see this team like, you know, you you mentioned three winnable games, and I guess every game is winnable. But I just, with all these injuries and stuff like that, you lose you lose your quarterback, you lose this guy, you lose that that guy. I mean, this the, the offensive line has just lost their two starting linemen. I, I don't know how how much, you know, how much this team could take, you know, as far as that. And the, and and you mentioned Hardman, right? And you said he doesn't play special teams. He plays special teams for the Super Bowl team. I don't know how you say he doesn't play special teams. Well, he doesn't play special teams here, I'm talking about, since he's come here. Oh, okay. Yeah, so yeah, 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 yeah. Looks, I mean, I, can you explain that to me? He saw, he, they signed him. Mm-hmm. So, obviously, they had to like his talent, right? Can you sure. explain how, what? He's like personality-wise? Uh, Practice-wise, what the heck? How how is he not playing over? Um, I, I get always blank, but how is he not playing over? over, you over Xavier from, Gibson, for example. Not Gibson, but the, the the guy from well with punt returns, fine. But the the, the um the Green Bay the what? Randall Cobb, Randall Cobb, Randall Cobb. Cobb. How is he not playing over Cobb? I don't get it. Well, Cobb is a slot receiver. Right? So, so I mean, that's his M.O. Hardman's not a slot receiver. Hardman's a guy yeah. that you kind of want to scheme up. You hit him in the, in, in the flat. You get him some screens, this, that. Um, but Cobb is a guy who, remember, and Cobb's familiarity with this offense gives him a leg up, too. Like, he knows this offense like the back of his hand. That's why he was brought in here. I think if you're right. McCall Hardman, he's going to have an opportunity here, but he's just got to keep waiting for Like, you know, I talked about Bryce Hall at the beginning of the show. You know, this is a guy who was essentially put out to pasture, but never complained, went about his work. He was well-respected in the room. And when his number was called, he made a couple of big plays yesterday, which helped him win the game. Right. But I could understand how Hall's personality is coming up. He has to prove himself. Hartman's coming from a Super Bowl. He signed a free, he signed as a free agent to be here. So right. I'm thinking he's expecting to play, and I just thought maybe it was something you know that they see in practice that they don't like, and the um, and the other thing too is that if you saw the team from you see the team from last year how they traded more, they let Barrios go, they mm-hmm. lost Corey Davis mm-hmm. offensively now offensively they are not as good as last year. The wide receiver group is not as good as last year. If you um, take into account that I'm thinking Hardman is taking Berrios' place, and now he can't even can't even touch the field. Right well, remember, wrong. last year, Art, remember, and, and thanks a lot for the phone call. Last year, Corey Davis was in and out of the lineup. Elijah Moore was somebody who wasn't really getting a lot of chances or opportunities. Remember, Braxton Berrios was probably getting more touches in the offense than a lot of people, I think, would have liked. Because there was a lot of, there was a, you know, the old offensive coordinator, Mike LaFleur, he fancied Braxton Berrios. And he was calling his number a lot, especially in the red zone. Remember, there were a lot of opportunities down near the goal line in the end zone that they were trying to get him the ball and to maybe it wasn't working out necessarily. And there was a lot of folks who thought that those touches should have been going to somebody else, maybe better equipped to make plays. You know, I understand like all this stuff that's happening with the wide receivers, but not to keep bringing this up as some sort of an excuse, but I think it's valid. The conductor is not here. All these guys were brought in here because they were a good fit for the offense. They were a good fit for the scheme. And, oh, by the way, think about who the conductor of the offense was. Right? We might be having a different conversation here altogether if Aaron Rodgers was under center and healthy 
and the guy who was running the show here. He's not. So got to keep that in mind as well. Look, all I can say for Hardman is that the coaching staff feels – look, there's not enough touches to go around, period, for the guys that they do have in there. You know, I think that Jeremy Ruckert should get more touches in the offense. You know, I think that you should find a way to get the ball in Xavier Gibson's hands a little bit more with the speed that he brings. You saw that against the Kansas City Chiefs last week. Yesterday was a little bit of a different game plan, obviously, to where they knew that they could run the football on that Denver team. They did, and they did really successfully. And they kept doing it until Denver could stop it. And really, Denver couldn't stop it much all day long, so they didn't stray from that. And as much as it stinks with AVT going down, remember, think of how the Jets like to play. If they're going to be a power run team and they're going to play a lot with 12 personnel, 13 personnel, which means you're going to have two, three wide, or excuse me, two, three tight ends on the field. Those are essentially added blockers, right? So if you're going to be down a valuable offensive lineman like AVT, you bring these other tight ends onto the field, especially a guy like Ruckert, who's a damn good blocker, that'll help you at least a little bit when it comes to the run game. These wide receivers are okay. I mean, Garrett Wilson is a star in the making. You know, Alan Lazard is essentially a younger version of Corey Davis. Big, physical receiver, can make some tough catches. And Alan Lazard is also a pretty damn good blocker out on the perimeter. That's one of the reasons that the Jets kind of fancied him in the offseason. That and, you know, Aaron Rodgers being here as well. But that's how they viewed Lazard just from a scheme sense. He's like another Corey Davis. 800-919-3776. That is the telephone number. Jose's in Brooklyn. He's up next here on 98.7 ESPN. What's up, Jose? Good evening, Dan. Shout out to the company. Yes. Wanted to, wanted to chime in and, and talk about the football weekend. And two quick points. One for the Giants and one for the Jets. For the Giants, it's kind of interesting because, like, as you went on saying, you know, give da- um, Daniel Jones a chance. I'm kind of finding it, like, weird because uh, it, 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 it's giving me the sense that since they've had the great first year, Shane and Dayball, Mm-hmm. They've kind of, kind of gotten this built-in excuse where they can possibly be out on Daniel Jones and not try to actually, you know, be invested in him at, because they've already said they've already signed who they wanted to keep in the Gettleman era, which is Dexter Lawrence and Andrew mm-hmm. Thomas and. You know, and they pretty much didn't extend Saquon and didn't give a long commitment to Daniel Jones. So it is kind of funny, but it it, it is kind of funny. But if they fall to a bottom four team or a top team that's making that pick for a quarterback, I am. They do deserve a little bit of criticism because of the fact that you didn't expect to take this massive step back. You, a, a small step back is was acceptable, but a massive step back like that—that's uh, that's unacceptable in this market. As well, Jose, you know what jet- I you know what I would be critical of them over, not mm-hmm. just necessarily. Look, Andrew Thomas is an All-Pro offensive tackle, right? He's an All-Pro. He's one of the best in the game. You haven't had him basically all year because he got hurt in Week One. All right, yeah. I get it. That's a big player that you just automatically plug and play a replacement it doesn't work that way but what about the rest of the depth on the offensive line that's my question like how come he didn't do a better job fortifying this offensive line like they went out and they signed a guy like Mark Lewinsky last year in free agency with the Colts Mark Lewinsky is buried on the depth chart they signed into a four-year deal why did you pay him all that money that's a huge swing and a miss Exactly, exactly. And that's kind of where they, they, they need to be brought to task. But, you know, hey, we'll see how the market goes. And, you know, the more losses that they rack up is going to be, be be a bad look for them. But as far as the Jets, I, I'm happy that they got the win. And as far as the quarterback play, I thought he played okay. The throw, you know, as far as the throw, the interception, it was. It, I, I didn't think that it was as bad. As bad, it just was bad timing more than anything. But um, I, I'm very concerned with AVT going down for the year because we all know if he's our best offensive lineman, hopefully, you know, they, they don't have that same scenario where everything went down the drain from, the, from an offensive line standpoint because we, we still need to be competitive for the rest of the season because I, 
I, I don't see Salah or Douglas keeping their job if they only repeat seven wins again. I'm more in the camp of they actually at least got to improve from at least last year, even without Rodgers. Uh, I don't know what your take is, but just wanted yeah. to hear, hear, hear your thoughts. Jose, yeah, I mean, look, it stinks. You know what I mean? And thanks a lot for the phone call. Of course you want this guy there because he could play any position you need him to play. Hell, if they even ever needed him to play center, he could probably do that, and he wouldn't be half bad at it. But, you know, even though he got hurt last year, what was it in October, week six, seven, whatever week it was out there in Denver, you know, we we were at Thanksgiving, and they had a 7-4 and four record. After Mike White beat the Bears, they were 7-4. and four. So without Brees Hall... Without AVT, this was a team that was in playoff position going into the final month of the regular season. And then the quarterbacks got hurt, and that threw everything in a wrench. So if, as long as they don't suffer any more sort of crippling blows the rest of the way, I, I still think that you know this team is headed in the right direction, and they can make something of this 2023. I'm not saying you're telling you they're going to the Super Bowl or anything like that, but they could still remain in this playoff race well, well into the later part of this season if they could just remain in one piece. But the AVT injury, it, it stinks on so many levels. 800-919-3776. We'll go around the league to start off our final hour. Remember, we're till 8.30 tonight. Then it's playoff baseball. Dan Gross' show, 98.7 ESPN. Robert Half Research indicates 9 out of 10 hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. If you have open roles, chances are you're feeling this too. That's why you need Robert Half. Our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary AI to connect businesses of all sizes with highly skilled talent in finance and accounting, technology, marketing and creative, legal and administrative and customer support. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today.